Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Layfound Podcast, where we talk all things movie and television and the other miscellaneous things going on in our lives. I am your co-host, Richie, and here is my co-host, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Patrick, good of you to join us once again uh, on our journey of the OA uh, Part 2, Chapter 7. Today we are going to be talking about Mirror, Mirror. Uh, the last time we spoke, it's been a long time. We took quite the hiatus. Um, so in real time, by the time our viewers are listening to this, uh, it may or may not may long may no longer be April. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we will see uh, what happens um, with our uploads. They have come a bit infrequent due to things that are going on in our lives, but we are still here. We have not abandoned ship. Um, so yeah, uh, how how goes it, Pat? Uh, it's good to check back in to the uh the away uh as well as with you know everyone on the pod i am getting a bit of the fear especially from this episode that uh we're on the we're approaching the end fast and i'm i'm not feeling a lot of resolution (laughs) there's two episodes after this episode i believe to resolve before i know that the uh the currently non-existent season three is supposed to come around so yeah, I feel the pressure. Wait, what do you uh, mean, Pat? This is all a ploy to get you to watch it just so we can tell you that there was a fake cancellation. Oh. Like everyone's been saying. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> is, is that with that new show that's coming? Uh, nah. I don't I know, guess, man. I, I, I see it as more of a spiritual sequel, successor. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I saw one of the uh, head OA people was attached to something new coming. And I was like, is this going to be a stealth drop? I'm already at that stage of <laughs> denial. Maybe this whole show could be a fake show and there's actually more of my show coming. <laughs> you know, um, I I was in those stages, you know. I actually was thinking about it after watching this episode, right? Thinking like, you know, Pat's two episodes away. I wonder how he's gonna feel because I've already went through the stages. Currently, I guess I am in the stage of acceptance, right? Um, okay. After about four years, um, yeah, right around this time, uh, yeah, OA, uh. Part two came out. And yeah, a couple months later, it was canceled and I was shooketh. Um, it was really hard to let go. And watching an episode like this today, uh, yeah, really uh, brought those emotions and feelings back. Because every time I've seen this episode, it really uh, struck a nerve. And um, definitely probably the hardest episode to get through emotionally okay. uh yeah but i don't know what it, what is like your impression and you know how are you feeling you did say it's creeping up on you you don't feel like there's a resolution what's going yeah. on uh in uh in pat's brain <laughs> uh 
I, I'm I'm also forming like more thoughts about the whole the whole show or the season two at least. Like when we're with the Michigan Five, uh, the my emotions are so much more heightened than the uh, alternate dimension with the uh, OA and uh, Homer who's trapped and Hap. I, I think Hap is still holding on to me pretty good, but just some of the stuff. Doesn't hit as much as stuff hits in this episode with some of my favorite characters, as well as just you know more growth for certain characters. Uh, this is a big Steve episode for me. Uh, he's he's kind of stepping, he's really stepping out and more into a protagonist role for me from the Michigan Five, along with B BBA. But yes. yeah, I think yeah, Steve BBA is like also there, but her thing feels like it's a sunsetting, so it's kind of somber. And then, you know, the other characters have stuff, but Steve, uh, he's one of the driving forces of action in this episode. And for the Michigan Five, since the OA's absence, so I'm big on that. And then uh, a little small tangent real quick. Uh, I I talked about this a lot more in our first season of OA, but I have seen, I think, one or two episodes of Euphoria. (laughs) (laughs) oh yes yes okay i'm getting the feeling of what you may be talking about continue uh yeah it's just uh it's kind of what i it's what i thought it was it's what i expected i know it uh touches on themes and it touches on themes and like dabbles with realism but also like just from those first two episodes it it feels like it's trying to dabble with realism but it's not it's like it's just the stuff that's happened for me is as out there as the uh, possibility for magic in the always world. Like, yeah, like who? Maybe there is unseen magical force that connects us across all theoretical dimensions or possibilities or lives, and spirits connected through unseen forces. And then I can believe that. And then, you know, just watching Euphoria, all that stuff's absence. It's all absent. It's more trying to be realistic but it just doesn't feel real in the slightest still and yeah just just so far my theories were validated i don't see the attraction to uh you know the more standard high school realism setting versus like you know this the oa season one which had a capacity for just pure you know the desire had the you know the drive for you know your soul to have significance or you know how people feel isolated or alienated in modern times where euphoria is the more realistic like oh you know debauchery hedonism drugs and the psychological torment and pain of that whereas oa says you know you can also suffer and have extreme pain but there's a beauty inherent That really speaks to me, believe it or not, versus, you know, more contemporary shows. So, yeah, I just wanted to throw that little two cents in there. Like, I still stand with my original thoughts after having seen some of Euphoria. Where it's, uh, <laughs> it's not even a fair comparison. They're different shows, different genres, even though there's a high school setting with high school characters. Right. Yeah, I guess, you know, uh, the OA has such this, like, hefty balance of coming of age and then you know, this mystery, psychological fantasy, you know, thriller elements, right? Has so much going on for it. Um, you know, that first season was pretty elusive, 
I would say, especially even like going through the high school experience. Um, like, I don't know. It feels very, uh, what's the word? Uh, it I lost me. It felt very dire in that first season, like the, the colors and such. And I know that Euphoria is very in your face and incredibly stylized as opposed to this show's first part. Um, and obviously it was a very, it was a stylistic choice. I'm sure because being now that we are in a part two, season two, basically, um, the show is drastically different, right? In terms of setting. Um, but man, this episode really brought me back to season one just because of the, how gloomy and gray it was back oh, in yeah. Crestwood and just similar here, you know, especially during the, the, the beach sequences. Um, yeah. Uh, I haven't watched Euphoria, but uh, you make me want to go back and <laughs> go and check it out. Honestly, even if, even if you don't highly recommend it, I would personally watch it for the cast and the performances and, you know, just the uh, the stunning cinematography for sure. Yeah, <clears throat> I I think yeah. It I I haven't finished it. It feels like there's like a I I I don't know. I just like the way I can follow it. I feel like I can follow the characters' motivations as well as like the redemptive process some characters go through, where I. I think Euphoria is introduced and it just falls to that like trope of like, you know, no good protagonists. Uh, and, you know, sincerity and endearment is uh, goofy and not real because the world isn't painful and miserable to all people practically nowadays. So Euphoria is like, okay, everyone has to be miserable and horrible except for maybe one or two characters in the first two I saw. It's like, oh, you know, yeah. they're flawed, like real people are flawed, but you know. Just the OA Steve commits a hate crime in episode one. <laughs> and uh, now he's redeemed. This is a redemptive force capable in all people that I appreciate the OA has. So I would say, yeah, I want to hear your opinion on it. Go, go check out Euphoria and then like think of how would they redeem <laughs> this character. And it's like, clearly right. they, don't, they don't want to. They don't want to redeem anyone. Except for... Okay. Yeah. Are they, I, yeah you're saying weird... there's like a Steve-like archetype. In... I think like... Like technically, Euphoria. one of the yeah, like there's like a kind of primary antagonist, right. or like an, an introductory antagonist who's like, oh, I know he's he's the white man, uh, works out a lot. Whereas yes. you know, I, maybe they even have the same like a uh, arc of pain, or like you know, the, the life lacks meaning or purpose, or you know, they just feel uh, whatever alienation, and uh, mm. yeah. It, it, the OAL, like, I'm getting emotional when Steve is running after an ambulance. I don't think I... From what I got from those first two episodes, it's I want that character to die, and then, <laughs> you know, then we're talking the slide into acceptable targets, and <laughs> who is and isn't allowed to be coded as allowed to be murdered or motivated for pain to be inflicted against them. Where the show, you know what, I... I just want people to be happy and be together and I want people who do harm to stop doing harm <laughs> whatever yeah. that takes I don't want someone to get killed or you know 
but I think the euphoria is leaning into that desire for violence that uh you know really goes against the ethos of a show like the OA that really speaks to me and as well as like its inspirations like Irene Jacobs presence I still think of how great that is in the show it just it's so fitting and I couldn't see her in euphoria I couldn't see her in you know a lot of modern shows but this one really gets it yes and hopefully you know in the last two episodes me you know maybe you'll get to see more maybe who knows I won't spoil that for you but I'm glad that you'll be, you're able you have been able to see her pop in into this kind of world because it totally fits like you said her presence um, made an impact on this show for sure yeah um, yeah so yeah let's jump right into it I mean uh, for our viewers, if you've gotten this far, I mean, we're going to talk a bunch of spoilers, obviously. Um, it's, yeah, it's been a long time since we've got uh, back into it. But let's get into the group of things. We're just going to mainly talk about significant key points that happened in this episode. Uh, uh, it was uh, quite the buildup, for sure, to the show's climax, or at least this episode's climax. Um, you know, we are back with the Crestwood Five once again. Uh, our favorite teenagers and teacher. Uh, back at it again. Um, they're on the run, trying to avoid uh, being suspicious uh, because uh, technically they are kidnapped by BBA, even though she is probably the one who was kidnapped by them, <laughs> by the Crestwood Five. And... Um, yeah, we get glimpses of Jesse going through, uh, you know, his his trauma, his PTSD of the uh, the, sh- the aftermath of the shooting, mm-hmm. and you know, we did get hints of him dealing with something, going through the motions from the uh, episode three, I believe, uh, Magic Mirror, where we, you know, got reacquainted with the group, and. Yeah, he. This is definitely Brendan Myers' episode as well, uh, who's played uh, Jesse wonderfully. Um, yeah, I just love his performance here. So incredibly subtle and um, gets you emotional uh, with his monologue while he's speaking to BBA's uncle. Um, he's basically right, like on his deathbed. Um, very sick and um, just incredible moments like that from him as well as Phyllis Smith and you know Patrick Gibson like wow just everyone did incredible here um, and we get a pop in from Raheem which we'll talk about later but yeah let's talk about the big moment uh, we're at the beach Jesse Stole some fentanyl patches from BBA's uncle after his goodbye monologue. He has a little bit of a, a quick moment with BBA. You know, we haven't had a moment like that with between them two since the first season. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, BBA has that premonition that causes her to check up on jesse and Mm -hmm. it was too late yes very 
very ahead and uh again i was i I was just genuinely caught off guard <laughs> until until bba had the dream that's when it clicked because i i saw the uh I, the patches in jesse's hand but i was like i don't know what that was as well as the framing where you get yeah. yeah i was like maybe he's gonna destroy him maybe because he stands in front of the ocean but no it's a uh... And it's all communicated so uh, wellly, foreshadowed. Like, uh, before they're sleeping on the tents, there's a great shot of uh, Steve and everyone except for Buck, I believe. Buck, who's, like, standing, like, maybe just on the edge of the waves. And then Jesse's, like, 20 yards, 30 yards away from him on the sand. Yeah. While uh, Steve and French are... And uh, I forget the other the girl's name angie uh jesse's girlfriend yeah yeah steve's girlfriend i'm sorry yeah yeah what am i saying yeah steve's girlfriend yes (laughs) (laughs) but yeah the three of them are like in the they're in the waves in the ocean jumping around bucks right on the edge and jesse's just fully like not there not trying to swim not trying to enjoy the moment and i that's when i first realized Something bad was looming for sure. I love to connect it to the Jungian dream interpretation of like the dimensional hopping and all that stuff. The the big presence of water in the show. And it's like, yeah, our three Steve, French, Angie, they're 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 in the ocean. They're jumping around in the waves. They're committed. Buck's on their precipice. But you know what? Buck Buck seems like they're ready, but He's not ready fully. He's not in the water yet, but he's right there on the edge. And he's smiling and enjoying it. And then Jesse's like reserved. He's too he's too alone. He's too isolated. He doesn't believe he can go in the water and all that stuff. Just really spoke to me that like something I didn't think what was gonna happen would happen, but I was like, something is being communicated here. And it's it's like a happy moment, but also very somber when you see Jesse not in the water, not even enjoying the time that the rest are. Yeah, how that how that connects the Jungian dream interpretation of the ocean in your dreams represents the collective unconsciousness where souls originate from, and subconsciously we can only comprehend it as like the uh, infinite vastness of the sea because that's all we see in the waking world and all that stuff. I love those. I love the dream interpretation aspect of Jung, Carl Jung, and all that stuff. And so yeah, the scene felt very purposeful. Or it's it's reflective of the different characters' placements and commitment to the pursuit of OA, as well as, you know, the looming shadow of bad things to come, along with, you know, Jesse having a one-on-one with the uh, uncle who's on his deathbed in hospice, I believe. Yeah. And him and BBA's sentimental moment. And then obviously the dream, just the pure... Ira- no, it's not rational, but yeah, just the terror... And then yeah, she opens. Yep, I was I was pretty taken aback when she opens the tent, and yeah, he's already cold. And yeah. I was like, yeah, the movements, the movements, like let's do it. And then, it, you know, they don't work because he's long. Uh, this isn't the uh, sheriff's wife who's terminally ill or has is it MS possibly. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. has MS. She had MS, like it's theoretical or however you interpret 
the concepts of souls. Her her soul or herself was bound to the body in the bed, whereas Jesse's has already left. Maybe that moment of the dream was, you know, him him pleading for BBA to come help him before it's too late. But yeah, it is too late when they all get there. And the movements aren't an all an all answer. It doesn't solve everything. It can't bring someone back to life. Right. Um, but Steve believes. <laughs> yeah. So endearing. He he sees the ambulance go in the opposite direction when they leave because the uh, is it BBA's cousin or sister in law? Yeah. Cousin Amy? Yeah, she's called the cops after had she's given VBA like the benefit of the benefit of the doubt for like a day, but when there's a uh, OD teenager in your backyard. Yeah, you can't blame her. Yeah, for she's called the cops. Drawing the line and saying, oh, you know what? It's my fault for letting this happen, basically, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and that's so when they're they flee and they see the uh, ambulance going in the opposite direction. Steve again, you know, just tells hops out of the car and does a full sprint again. You know, like this isn't like the time with the OA when they didn't do anything to help OA, right? Or when OA left them behind, he's gonna really, really pursue it. Yeah, that's. So what a wow! What a what a performance from Patrick Gibson, right? Just doing the movements and just seeing the emotions, the you know the tears bottling up in his eyes. Just, um, yeah, that was quite the heavy moment. That was so cathartic and in a way almost like hopeful. You know, like you really, really believe that it could work, right? Because you've seen what these movements have done in the past. And the fact that it didn't even work when they did it, and he still kept doing it because he believed in OA's story. He believed everything she said was true. And he kept that faith going. And I don't know, I just was talking about it, just like, ah, do I need to keep the faith going? (laughs) Like, for the show to come back one day, I don't know out there somebody is continuously still doing the movements and trust me i've tried to learn the movements i am not as fluid or as elegant in doing these movements as patrick gibson and the rest of the cast mm-hmm. um yes i have tried movements i've recorded myself doing movements i am awful at doing the movements i need help <laughs> i'm like jesse help me <laughs> You need your other four movements, other four people. Yes, I definitely need my people. You know, uh, not the robots, not the robots. No, no, not the mechanical version. I am worse. I am worse than the robots, actually. <laughs> well, the robots do it, but they're too robotic. Yeah, maybe they serve a different purpose. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a difference, but um. Yeah, I know how to do at least 70% of the movements, which is great, but I do not know how to do them in the way that they know how to do it. Um, uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen this episode, probably four or five times. It's always... Yeah, it, it bottles... These emotions, they bottle up inside of me. 
just knowing what happens to Jesse and um the way the group reacts to it mm-hmm. uh just you know makes me think about myself losing a loved one before or someone who was really close to me uh you know I don't know if you've ever lost someone very close, Pat, but, you know, just losing someone who was that close, who felt like family to you. Um, yeah, it made me think back on that, uh, especially when you're young and you and you lose someone close. Um, you'll never you'll never forget that. Yeah. Was there any part of you? that believed that it was going to work. You're like, oh man, they're busting out the moves and the movements. It's going to work. I thought maybe when Steve had returned and he's like in the distance doing the moves towards the ambulance. Yeah. I thought maybe then it'd be like, it'd be like the, uh, the season one stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Where it's kind of flirting with the idea of like, you know, there is there is the magic, there's the magical realism that the OA is capable of. But I don't know if I don't know if our five are quite at that level or have that inherent because they're not the OA. Right. But when he was doing that, I was like, oh, maybe there's going to be like a little hybrid between the paramedics helping Jesse and Steve doing the movements where he's going to be stabilized or, you know, it'd be a thing where the paramedics like, oh, it's a, it's a miracle. He just, you know, he just, re- he, his body responded to the adrenaline or whatever you right. give to help them resuscitate. It's like, oh, it's a miracle. He just, you know, just he just came back. I thought maybe there was hope for that happening. But then, yeah, when it shows the group entering the motel and they're fractured. Uh, I was like, okay, I don't think it's going to work. And then, yeah, the shot of Steve doing it at sunset. It took on a new meaning of he's no longer... To me, it was like he's not doing it to revive Jesse in that moment. But, you know, he's trying to... I don't know, send him, send Jesse off. Guide him. <laughs> send him to a better himself in another world. Another dimension. Yeah, where his family is there. And, you know, just, you know, just like... It, a cathartic like funeral rite for both of them for Steve to come to peace with the loss of Jesse as well as hopefully I really hope they show it somehow or anything but Jesse's soul to be sent to a more peaceful life a more harmonious being that's what he wanted and needed Mm. and yeah great stuff Uh, yeah I'm glad I can share that with you because <laughs> just don't know how many people can share that pain, you know, like getting to this episode was, uh, yeah, it's, it was, it, it pulled on, on the heartstrings, yeah. tugged on them real, real hard. And, um, just, I don't know. I don't want to say it was the end, you know, but Maybe a closing of a chapter, or I don't know. Um, I, I I won't say if it's all doom and gloom or 
we'll get our happy ending, but you know, this this uh show has a way of being endearing and being weird and being <laughs> just so thought provoking. Like it does so many things to you, you know? It's yeah. uh it's not all rainbows and butterflies all the time. And it's not always doom and gloom either, but uh, it does have a great way of balancing uh, uh, everything out by the by the end, even though it doesn't always give you the answers that you that you seek. It'll it may give you more questions, but it may give you more answers, just like when uh, French reconnects with Rahim, mm-hmm. and he visits them at the the motel they're staying in. It's almost like he transported there, but you know, probably probably flew over there in a matter of hours. I mean, because we know that Steve was at the, you know, at the beach for quite some time, several hours. Uh, like you said, the sun was setting, so they they probably waited quite a bit of time for him to show up. And uh, yeah, it turns out he knew way more than he let on. Yeah, because Raheem is a part of the astral projection FBI force. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. You did mention this before. I was, yeah, when the, I was, I was so excited when he was like, "Yeah, I don't fully know the limits of it all," but I'm like, "Okay, I'm, I'm very intrigued." <laughs> I'm, I'm curious: is Raheem like a positive hap in the system? Is he like in the FBI, but he's explored all these. Uh, cases that have led him to this alone, or is there like literally a is a SWAT team gonna come in and start doing movements, or you know, is it is it gonna be militarized, <laughs> or is it a lone man's spiritual journey? That's what I'm curious about with Raheem and the connection to the Michigan Five. Yeah, because he was asking some pretty strange questions, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he talked to great the great concept about the uh, uh the only other piece of media I've heard reference this is the uh like a horror thing. But I I was in the interior design and film class and we didn't even talk about this as much, but like the uh, significance of the open doors mm-hmm. on the houses, as well as like the uh psychological evaluation of architecture and housing of like why does you know, why what are the what are the subconscious or conscious decisions made when building a house to not have a toilet like visible from the front door like if someone looks like if you open the front door you'd never see a toilet unless it's like a extremely like cramped <laughs> like poorly right. made poorly designed like like manhattan apartment like you never see you know those that vulnerability that your brain feels when you're on the toilet or in the shower Mm -hmm. like maybe you'll have a window to the front yard but that window will be like you know like one a cat can fit through at most uh yeah someone can't just open the front door and have access to you in the bathroom uh your bedroom you don't want that to be in your living room you you know all all the weird psychological aspects of architecture houses and Raheem mentions you know the significance of the open front door as you know being you know a house is a space Mm -hmm. uh 
What else does he say? He references. Um, he he asks, "Well, what is a a, a house?" Um, yes, he asks about space, right? And um, a house, a school, a church, a motel, a clinic. Mm, power and given. He said, part of part of you knows. Part of you has always known. Hasn't it? Yeah. So yeah, I think he's he's referencing that power. That you know, what makes a cafeteria a cafeteria? What makes a school a school? It's technically just a bunch of hallways and rooms connected. <clears throat> but yeah, it's our church. What makes it sanctified, hallowed? What what is that power? And you know what? We all know that power. And that's how you're able to travel, maybe? Like Irene mm. Jacob was referencing. When she, mm-hmm. they're watching the performance. You know, you, you look at it abstractly, there are just a bunch of people in a room watching one person in a room. You know, that person could be doing anything, but the action of singing or the beauty of singing creates a power that the people watching it feel, and that power resonates, maybe. I don't know, I'm keen. I'm very... I hope we get some more uh explanation mm-hmm. at least from the uh, michigan five because as the viewer that's right again maybe that's why they resonate so much this season is it, this is my first viewing so i'm kind of like them maybe on my third or fourth or fifth i'll be feeling like uh the oa and like <laughs> really deep, or the oa or hap doing really deep dives onto like oh like there's a bust of like Socrates behind someone in this room or whatever. But yeah, that yeah, just I'm just very excited to see the uh conclusion. Yes, yes, I'm excited for us to get there as well. Uh man, I can't believe it's just two episodes away. Um just man, just yeah, I'm just happy to see Riz Ahmed back reprising his role. Mm-hmm. Um as Rahim. And I heard a theory out there. Oh, I don't know if it's an actual theory, but um that originally Riz Ahmed was supposed to be in more of um part two. Mm-hmm. But due to like scheduling conflicts, he was only able to make his appearance uh very brief and minimal. I mean obviously it came out in 2019, he had a breakout you know, a few years in, in film, right? He had quite a run of films that he was in. Oscar so, nominated, uh, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Oscar nominated, you know, for Sound of Metal. Yep. Um super busy man. Uh and rightfully so. He's such a talented actor. You see him come back. Um but I heard uh somewhere that in the original like early on in this the drafts of part two is that uh he was supposed to be playing kareem washington mm, okay but uh, i don't know i don't know how true that was um i had forgotten where i got this information from but there were um some tea leaves out there breadcrumbs that suggested that was what that was supposed to be the case and that they changed it, and yeah, because you know how uh, Ezekiel said that 
she was always sent somebody to help her, right? Yeah, makes so much sense. And <laughs> and Rahim said, uh, "I was sent." You know, he was basically sent to help her, yeah. right? As help her, as in help away. Yeah. So maybe you know, maybe some of these, maybe there will be more people that come around that know more than they let on. Uh, maybe to guide the group or to guide OA along their journeys. But I guess we'll see in the last couple of episodes. Um, but I tend to believe that Raheem is one of the good guys, uh, after mm-hmm. all. And that he probably could have turned them all in. And he didn't. He met them all discreetly. And... Um, yeah, just that eerie like final shot of like the 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 camera um pulling away from the window, which is like a uh like a frame within a frame almost. Yeah. Uh I mean even like the mirror behind Raheem, or like there's a mirror behind him and then there's also like a picture frame on the wall. So it's like two frames. Very, very interesting. Cause he did mention to BBA how she had this strange feeling when she had uh, looked at that TV where the TV was communicating with them and she was in that room mm-hmm. and Raheem mentioned to her there are rooms inside, uh, like several rooms inside, like her mind or something or several rooms. I don't know. It's almost like Inception-like. Yeah. Well, I believe she said there's other people in the room in the reflection. Yes. Yeah. He's like, yeah, there's always there's always other people in a room like we are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. She she's just saying how. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like we're not alone in this room. And um, she said, that's how they're all connected, isn't it? The dimensions through spaces. And then, um, you know, he nods and says, now you got what you need, and she responds by saying, I thought I was losing my mind. And then he goes, you're not, you're just finding new rooms inside it. Mm-hmm. So I think he's mentioning that maybe what she's seeing or thinking or yeah, whatever she's having experienced is her several versions of herself. Maybe she's gaining access to other versions of herself yeah. that she's seeing. Um. Maybe that's what he means. New rooms inside it. As in, you're going through all these different versions of you going into the same building, but different time and space. But that's just my theory. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I agree with the uh, the theory, or if it's confirmed, of the... Uh get in the second actor for Kareem for season two because of scheduling. Like, that makes perfect sense to me. Like, yeah, it would make way more sense mm-hmm. if the uh, if it was uh, obviously the same character from season one, but, it, you know, scheduling all that. I just hope they don't write his character out when they leave this dimension, if they do. And it's only Kareem, because I, lo- I, lo- I love this guy. He's great. Yeah. Yes. Um... Yeah, the actor who plays um, Kareem, uh, uh, Kingsley Benadir, mm-hmm. he's he's terrific. Um, 
He's going to be in the new Barbie film. Good for him. Uh, yeah, and he's such a welcome addition to this to the show. And you know, I believe he also played Malcolm X in um, in a biopic as well. Uh, yeah, terrific actor. I thought his uh, him coming in to the fray was seamless. You know, as like one of the new uh, protagonists, mm-hmm. and yeah, can't wait to check back in with him in a way. Uh, in the next episode, um, yeah. So, Pat, before we end this episode, are there any theories, predictions, things you hope to happen upcoming, or things you might think will happen? Ah. Uh... I just want a happy, a happy. I just want a not cliffhanger ending. <laughs> I want to feel a level of closure or enough closure. Unless we get season three. I don't want, I don't want to, we haven't gotten the Twin Peaks season two yet, but if you know the ending for season two of Twin Peaks, I do not want that level of suspense. Suspense and cliffhangerness. I want. <laughs> I don't want three or four cliffhangers that are like, does this character live or die? Does this happen? Does this happen? No, I want. You know, I want hopefully a nice little bow on either the Michigan Five or the uh, San Francisco away a hap dimension with Homer. I hope. Yeah, just hope there's some conclusion in at least one of those two dimensions, and I'll be ecstatic and happy well um i will be hoping for that with you as well i'll cross my fingers for you to get the answer that you seek (laughs) um yeah so being that i've already seen the series and you haven't um i'm excited to see it through with you to the end and you know, hopefully by the end of the series, we'll get more theories out of you. and Maybe we'll get those answers again one day. Maybe we wouldn't have to wait 25 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you made it this far, this episode, please like email us or rate us. Uh, follow our Instagram at Podcast. L-E-F-I-L-M-P-O-D-C-A-S-T on Instagram. And if you're going to email us, be sure to uh, write in the subject line if there are any spoilers, because our other uh, pod mates have not watched a show yet, so let's not spoil anything for them. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, support our show, support our channel, our, uh, yeah, we're we're getting right back into the groove of things. yeah, bug us if you want to throw out more theories. Be sure to do that. Just make sure in the subject line, write spoilers or such and such. And we will try and get back to you. I apologize that I haven't gotten back. I am not active right now on Instagram, but do, uh, yeah, do bother us. We have an email as well at leafhomepodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, Patrick, any closing statements? Hmm. 
Uh, I'm just hoping for a soft landing. Landing. Uh, just hope it ends nice and nice and good because they, like mentioned earlier, uh, they don't make these shows a lot anymore, or they don't make movies like this anymore that much either. So I just hope we get get that itch, get that the reason people make stuff, or the reason I have an appreciation for the medium of TV and film is to tell stories like this, and I hope we get to see the end, however that may be in the <laughs> future. <laughs> Even if it's just one movie, I'd, I'd be happy. Well, crossing my fingers, Pat, for the both of us. Um, hopefully, us doing this may put a, a dent uh, into the revival of the OA, but... Yeah, I will never say never, as long as we're still around, as long as we're still having these conversations, these conversations, the OA will never die. So, until next time, talk to y'all soon. We have two more episodes left, and we're also going to do a special episode before we wrap everything up. So, there are not just two episodes left, we'll do a few more. And, yep, so long. We will talk to everyone later. Till next time.